Patrol Radio, your favorite Doom Patrol. That's not how I say it, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to your favorite Doom Patrol podcast, this side of the painting. My name is Mark. And my name is Nathan. And today we are talking about episode six of Doom Patrol season four. It is the season finale of part one of season four, aka they usually call it a mid-season finale. But yes, this is the sixth episode known as Hope Patrol. And today's episode is written by Ezra Clayton Daniels, who also wrote Bird Patrol of season three and directed again by Christopher Manley. Uh, Today's synopsis is with the end of existence imminent, a determined Doom Patrol seek to get their longevities back and save the universe. Nathan. What did you think about today's episode? This was excellent, you know? It really was. This was a, uh, to me, uh, a real Grant Morrison-heavy episode. Morrison-esque heavy episode. um, With little twinges of, like, costuming from, like, Gerard Way stuff. And it's like, oh, this is a really excellent blend that you're doing book to screen for this episode. Um, It being a finale... Uh, is really a correct way to look at it. Um, it was it went out with a bang, you know. <laughs> this whole episode was really, really excellent. Um, a lot was happening. It was really moving at points, um, very heavy at some points, and it was, uh, I think, just a well-rounded Doom Patrol episode. Yeah, it was. I gotta admit, I was a a bit teary teary-eyed at a certain moment of, of the episode uh, it really got me uh especially with some of our favorite characters uh a lot of returning characters i mean this is this is a mid-season finale and it it brought in a, a bunch of characters uh, that we weren't expecting to see you know there was no real hint that that the actors themselves would be in it um but yeah we we have Scissor men to talk about. We have Orc with. We have the fog. Uh, it, it, you know, stuff with the apocalypse comes back. There, there's so much that's going on in this episode mm. that it's uh, it, to me like I was like you know at one moment I was thinking you know it's it's having its goofy romp with what Doom Patrol usually gets into those kind of strange adventures and then the touching moments between Cliff and Jane that was also getting to me very much. Um, but yeah, there were, there was so much going on with this episode that it was, uh, in a good way that I, I, I really enjoyed it. And I'm, it is a, it is a cliffhanger, you know, it is that mid season finale style cliffhanger. We, we've talked previously in this season about expecting 
um, you know, what is the expectation for Casey and Dorothy, who seem to be on their way to Doom Manor? How will they uh, intertwine with this story? Um, we we have a, a tangent with Rita and um, Madame Rouge as they go to the Bureau of Normalcy. Um, and, and in the recap, we see things such as, um, you know, Crazy Jane's longevity has been stolen, the aging spell is lifted. Um, in the last episode, Larry and Mr. F- Mr. 104 got to know each other. And, and, and um, last time we saw Cliff Steele, he was at the peak angst of his, his teenage years and everything <laughs> that's been happening to him, you know, in this season, it, it comes to a boiling point. So we really were left on, on a cliffhanger, even in just the, the last episode. And then on top of all of it, towards the end of the, the recap, we see a bit of Wally Sage in the recap. And you and I have talked about Wally Sage before because with the reveal of Torminox and, and Casey, that it made sense that Wally Sage was um, would be somewhere involved in this Immortus project. And then mm. this episode really, really does kind of confirm that, especially with the recap. It's like, oh, you're... you're you're recapping this person. I wonder why. I wonder what the, what the reveal is. So, which um, was so wild because I had just recently watched season three, um, like the past weekend of this recording, and I kind of just it was on in the background, and I was just in and out and stuff, and um, popping in at like some like touchstones and stuff. But one thing that I did remember and what I looked at was that the whole Wally Sage involvement in the Rita and Laura kind of headbutting storyline and I kind of blew past that at first I guess I think maybe we did in season three because maybe it was just so quick and it seemed just like uh I don't know the arc maybe wrapped up or something um but at least for me that whole kind of side of things with at least Rita having some stake in Wally Sage um it blew past me at first and now it's like, Oh, this is way heavier than what it was last season. Like this is a great ride. Everything was really kind of, it's still, it's everything's building up to these things. Um, but it's excellent to think about because even in this episode, Larry said it. He's like, "This is never going to end." And it's like, "No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. That's it's it's great. It's right. It's not." <laughs> like, and now you get it. Um, so let's just do with that what you will. And I, Doom Patrol execute plan Theta. Like you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. And that's excellent. Um, so yeah. like all of these things to say that it's building up to something. It's like yeah. But like everything is building up to these things. They're using all of all of the source material from these books and these different uh, writers and everything, and it's like building up to this. I, I I don't even know what a climax would be because it's all climactic. You know what I mean? It's all heavy as shit. It's insane. Yeah, it's it's so it's so mind blowing still to see them connect dots further than we would think because you know a lot of times when it comes to comic book adaptation it's like okay i read that book too mm-hmm. you took orquith you took the scissor man mm-hmm. and you put them in this episode and we got it or, and that's it done like yeah and then mission you, you accomplished take Casey and Brand Gator- yeah you take you take any comic book of doom patrol and you take the characters 
and you get actors, you put them in the suits and you, and you put them on the screen and then people go look like, oh, that's how you adapt things. <laughs> going the extra mile of, hey, we're going to establish Wallace Sage and like, yes, that would explain explain Flex Mentallo, but then that could also explain Casey Brink, which has not been done before. Well, like, what I mean, well, in a way, she was the same way, but instead of, I guess, I think, I think Danny, Wally, the, Danny, Danny. Brought, Danny brought Casey to life, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, this makes more sense, and we talked yes, about it does, this and that's why, and I agree. Like, the deeper these connections are going within the source material that we have known and everybody else has known for the past 30, 40 years and everything. It's like, oh, this is just, I don't know. Tighter. You just look at it and the brilliance of storytelling is really just what you kind of walk away from this with. It's just incredible adaptation. Maybe sometimes yeah. it's it, it's different than like a movie because the movie, I guess you get one shot and if that story isn't rock solid, you're kind of fucked, you know? It's like, well, then you got the guy in the suit, you got the people in the suits, you put them on screen for what, you know? Is it supposed to be like a 10-year journey, like how these these other guys are doing it? No, I don't know. No, probably not, but at least we can like make it deeper and connect more things with the time that we have, and I feel like that's the better side of these television shows versus the movies where it is very, you get the one shot, you know? No, I understand. And and a lot of times when you when you outline your story, mm-hmm. whereas this Doom Patrol, they they have done such a great job outlining not just one season, but outlining the series to where Wallace Sage would be an important character. A movie sometimes doesn't get that chance. They just outline the one movie and maybe they play the strategy of like hey something that we want to 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 continue on into the next story we've got to make it a big deal we've got to give you a big wink a nudge uh hey tip of the hat this could happen if you support us enough to make another movie and then it becomes too big it becomes like oh we we have to make a sequel just so you can Put Deadpool in it or something. Put the Joker in the next. Oh God! (laughs) (laughs) You know, our minds. We went to the same place. (laughs) Yeah. No, I get you, and it's. uh, I don't know. It's but this Wally Sage thing is so smart. It's so and and it's like it connects things so well. Where I can't even call it like a retcon. I can't say it was like super tip of the hat because it's not. It never was. It never was like just uh, clever. Yeah, it's smart. Like anything else? Like anything else? I, you know, it's so well done. And even if it was like an epiphany, even if it was like the team going like, "Oh, hey, you know what? This connects it." And like, it's it played out miraculously for them to use Wallace Sage in such a creative way that. Um, the the metahuman ability that Wallace Sage has can not only not, not only does it connect Mentallo and Casey, but connecting um, Orquith and you know the the unwritten book or the metaphysical book from Crawling from the Wreckage, like there's so many 
metaphysical written things in Doom Patrol. Even the decreator, like all the way back then, it's like that was, you know, when you have like the concept of that source wall writer or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I think that is like, it's a very thin line that you can either write something that is really fucking intricate and makes you think and makes you want to go back to wherever they pulled that from, from years ago, from whatever story it is and actually read up on it and see that connecting tissue or you, you know, kind of fucking flop at it and it just becomes essentially what time travel hop and scotch bullshit you know what i mean jumping yeah, jump in just... between it's quantum leap you know not that quantum leap yeah. is bad but it's just quantum leap if you're gonna do quantum leap do quantum leap don't you know anyway the source wall idea of having these things especially from like it coming from a comic book to begin with where it is drawn and it is an idea that is put into place and it is just that exact thought especially with doom patrol of it being wackiness and crazy shit happening in pocket dimensions yeah a fucking course because it's a superpower the dude can draw and the drawings come to life they exist in another realm okay i don't know yeah rats off to you honestly standing applause (laughs) for this really (laughs) it 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 can be you know and sometimes these I say these shows, but when you're dealing with strange adventures, this is where the writing gets its credit because you have these weird episodic things and like y- you can fall into this pit of we're just going to stack random bullshit. Go like mm. we're just going to put we're just going to make sure hopefully everything just falls into place and it makes sense. You know, we're messing with time travel. We're messing with an apocalypse we're messing with aliens and things coming out of comic books and it's like it can seem like you can get away with a lot from all the wackiness but this show and especially with this mid-season finale shows that there is a meticulous thought to thread line whatever we've created in this show and so it it's really it's just kudos to the team to be able to to orchestrate this so cleanly and not just be like oh well Danny created a a character yeah or you know from a comic book or just like, no like, it makes oh more yeah sense. it's just magic you know like, yeah oh, okay move on to yeah. the next episode it, I guess magic exists Immortus will rise again it's like oh you know this whole other team that we've never met before has has decided to show up. Mm. Even with the Brotherhood of Evil, it's it was established like, oh, they've been here and they failed. And some things were left unattended and, and then you have Gargoaxing and Resort, you know, he's been waiting for so long. You know, it, it's stuff like that where they we talked about this in the beginning of season four, but like they have this established universe in the TV show. And all the place, all the pieces are in place. And now when we see a mid-season finale like this, where the Wallace Sage thing is true, because it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I didn't know when I watched Bird Patrol that Wally was the one that killed Malcolm because I just saw a scared Nazi dude yeah. kill Malcolm. And right. I was just like, oh, you know, that makes sense. People are just scared and killing small, innocent birds. But uh, it, yeah, it it was um, it's just really smart. Just that's what it comes down to, and even smart like what happens with Wallace Sage in this episode. Again, it like has me 
thinking, trying to think two steps ahead because it's it's that smart. So just kudos to the team on on, on creating the narrative for the outline of the story. Uh, I I can see where the rest of the season season is going, but it's fantastic. So um, some other characters we have we have joining is, is whenever it reprises her role as Shelley Byron. Uh, Sendo Ramamurthy as as Rama, aka Mister One Hundred Four, aka Mister One Hundred Three from the comic books, um, and then Elijah R. Reed as Derek. So Cyborg's friend is also in this episode. I've been writing Derek's name wrong because I thought Derek is spelled D E R E K, like that's how you spell Derek. His name is spelled Derek D E R I C, like Eric with a D, which mm. I've never seen someone's name spelled like that before. It's very bizarre, but kudos to you. It is Doom Patrol, so things are very strange here. Um, so <laughs> let's start from the beginning here. Uh, we are going to start with An the reality. An excellent needle drop. Sorry, I just really had to interrupt, because we are going to start with one of the best needle drops that this show has ever done in relation to what is happening on screen, and it's the 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 fucking steel song and robot man working on the car and the fact that it transitions from the radio from the sound all the way into the radio that's we all we gotta point that out that's one of the best things that you can do in sound mixing from my opinion it is one of Mm -hmm. the best things ever one of the best transitions i'm gonna say it again that is one of the best transitions that you can do from a needle drop, you know, copyrighted music and everything. Kudos to you. Kudos to you. Um, yeah, this this moment, the scene opens up with a Cliff and Jane scene. Uh, Jane has discovered that the de-aging spell was lifted, but the Bunbury Templar has stolen her longevity along with it. Uh Later on, it will be confirmed by Willoughby Kipling that it is true that Bunbury did take the longevity to protect Jane, or protect the longevity Mm. from the Immortus uh, team. Right. So, not that Bunbury would have been evil, but would instead be um, uncaring of of Jane's life to take the longevity. Well, you know, Um, those Knights Templars, they're... uh... They always have the best interest in mind, right? <laughs> For the guys. greater good. Yeah, those those guys. Uh, table with no corners or whatever. Come on now. <laughs> it's not a table. What are you doing? The, the Knights of the Tables with no corners. That's what it was called. That's what King Arthur wanted. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Cliff Steele wearing a very apt t-shirt. I hope you caught it as well, Nathan. It's, I did It's a... Crawling from the wreckage written on the t-shirt. You're kidding. Yeah. I did not notice that. That is, uh, can I have that shirt? <laughs> yeah. I like, I like Crazy Jane's shirt as well. We're always going to talk about the wardrobe. She's got here. really cool, uh, pop art, um, but her jacket is straight out of the way newer Doom Patrol run, mm-hmm. um, which is just excellent. I think there's a, there's a fold-out poster of everybody on Danny the Ambulance, and I think Jane's is in that jacket and it looks really you know great with the animal print um excellent excellent costuming excellent wardrobe yeah she gets a bit of a redesign after she stops being dr harrison in in gerard way's run so after the 
the mind bomb or whatever she was mm-hmm. doing in 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 that initial arc. And then when it does the arc and, and the whole Doom Patrol's back, then she kind of gets that that redesign where she's more uh, more like the Jane that we see in the TV show. Um, and uh, yeah, she she is wearing that really cool pop art t shirt. Uh, there's a really emotional part in the episode, and it was it was very hard because I was looking at the t-shirt, but I had to tell myself like, "Hey, this is an emotional moment for for the actor and and, and Jane, and she's going through all this um, mental heartache." And uh, and then <laughs> the the shirt is like, "I asked for pasta. I didn't ask for you, or something like that." And I was like, "Okay, pay attention to the episode, not not what's on the t-shirts." But it was very funny, so I was trying. I was conflicted in my emotions at the time. So. I was as well. I, I I feel like I was feeling the same thing that you were, but her performance in that moment seriously was just one of the best juxtapositions in a blocking format that I've seen. And the weight of her performance was really kind of overthrowing the pop t-shirt. And I was looking at it like, dang, I know everybody saw this and was like, that's people are, it's, you see that the t-shirts right there, but the statement is like, look at what's happening. Like, look at the emotions. That is what is supposed to be sticking out. And it was for me, it was really coming through the screen more so than that pop t-shirt. Excellent choice. And I think that's really the talent behind that. Like, yeah, you have this really distracting shirt, possibly that could just be like a funny beat to a funny mm-hmm. character you know that does have that type of dry humor but look at the emotion that is coming out from that like that's really what's what's hitting me yeah and it really has it has become a staple for jane to wear that that fuck necklace i really like that as well it's it a great reminds necklace, me right? a lot of uh silver tongue which we haven't seen in a while but mm-hmm. i i like i like seeing that stuff um, I also got to give a shout out, I know, since we're talking about Jane design, um, her room, we got a really good shot of her bed in this episode when she's having her breakdown, or her depression episode, if you will. And there's something really cool about the design of her bed where it almost looks like, like an asylum bed, but it has like this nice wood finish to it. And she has like this gorgeous damask black, like, covered duvet or, or something uh on the uh, that she's sleeping with and it's just a gorgeous her, her whole room's gorgeous she's like that's how i would love to decorate my room with just like art paintings on the ground they're not hung up and everything scattered maybe not the pile of puzzle pieces i could do without that it's that's just, yeah that's um, uh, stressful right um yeah. i think they changed the doors to be honest with you i don't remember the vent the the bottom vent ventilation thing being on the doors it looks like class it's like classroom doors and i could have sworn that they were like big wooden doors big old mansion yeah. wooden doors but hey i'm not in set design yeah and i'm pretty sure it is like a mental institute that it used to be right and something like that i'm not sure uh is i was thinking true? The other... <laughs> well it's got like the the basement area this the la the if it has a basement that's a secret laboratory that's a they're doing frankenstein in there every basement truly truly if it has a furnace don't even get me started (laughs) yes absolutely uh does it come with its own igor hey this house yeah this mansion came with a library oh they're up to something it's crazy in these places 
Um, yeah, no. So going into the actual episode or the scene with Cliff and Jane, uh, the whole arc that takes place in this um, in this episode, it was it was weird at first. And when I say weird, I was like interesting in the, in the way that um, Cliff and Jane could have this separation where now that she's faced with her finite mortality that Cliff is just like, Hey, welcome to the party. Um, you know, go hang your coat by the door. You know, it, it's, it was weird to see Cliff react in such a way and then go continue on working on this car. Would you expect anything less though? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to end your thought, but like, this no. is a dude that has been, even before, I don't, I don't know. To me, the longevity thing seemed like a newer thought <laughs> for Cliff. I assumed that he was just brain and robot, and then when he was getting Parkinson's, it was like, oh, time is really, you know, ticking. So this has been, you know, at least that long for him to realize. I don't know. I see it from his side, where mm-hmm. his whole mindset has been you know do it for rory find time to just spend time with them yada 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 so like the whole yeah i see where he came from with like i've been staring down that barrel for a while and let me tell you it doesn't get any easier you just got to get priorities i see where he's coming from yeah (laughs) it was a reality check for me because at first i'm like it is strange how are you not caring for your friend here or ready to go and i hate to say but ready to go punch things as a robot man for your friend who's has been affected by you know by getting their longevity stolen and the reality check for me is is how jane puts it is like when it comes down to it you're you're not ready to truly fight for for the ones you love because if he wanted to he could get on a bus and go to florida yeah he doesn't have to build the car right you know if he he said he rescued her as a baby and and took her took her home until she she grew up basically and but even now her longevity stolen and he's like yeah well welcome to the party and it shows that when it comes down to it we do do the do what we do for the ones we love. But in that moment, he's, he's not opening up. He's not opening up to how he truly feels. He's being closed off. So when he's working on the car and just telling her, yeah, well, you're shit out of luck. This happens. Yeah. Do what you got to do. He doesn't truly feel that way. And I guess that's what's strange to me. Yeah. I mean, and like she I calls see... him out on it. Yeah. Which he should be getting called out on it because in that moment he was giving advice when advice wasn't asked. It was more of like this is supposed to be a problem solving moment and like a consoling and comforting moment with your friend, <laughs> you know? Yep. You didn't read the room properly. You thought you did because you're like, hey, look. Like, now we got that thing in common. I'm going to tell you right now, from my knowledge, you just kind of do what you got to do. It's like, no, that's not what that person needs to hear right now. That person does need to hear, it'll be okay, 
we'll figure it out. Just take, you know, let's go figure it out. Like, if you have to say, like, okay, give me five minutes, let me put down my tools, let's f- stop this, you know? But you're a f- fucking robot man and a stubborn asshole, and you need to get your shit checked sometimes, so... Yeah, I get and it. just being scared... He might be scared to lose Jane, and so he must separate himself and be like that's your problem do what you gotta do Mm. i would love to help you but i'm too much of an asshole to admit that i'm scared of losing you so Mm. i'm gonna work on this car have fun and you know it's getting called out like that just another way of like deflecting that and kind of deflecting that's perfect word why didn't i think of that (laughs) absolutely uh, but but you know once they come around i mean this is the moment that really got me was him coming into that room and explaining to her that he truly does love her and 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 wants to do everything he can for her uh and for his all his family including the doom patrol and his family back in florida and when I saw him look at his glove, which the glove talks in this episode, yeah, fucking Elmo or some shit. Uh, but anyways, he when I saw that he looked at his glove, I knew in that moment, like, or I don't even think he looked at it, but it just there was this dramatic pause, and I was like, he could take that glove off, and 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 feeling someone else's hands as they're dying. It was to me. Uh, it got me very choked up. It got me very sad um, because she just went through this whole um, kind of heartache with with the fog just previous within this episode, and it's she truly is dying. So she feels like she can't even be herself when she wants to be. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's like oh I. I'm, Kay has told me to to go be who I want to be and start living my own life. And once she's had this revelation and she's had this this door open for her, now she's already got this ticking clock of, you don't even have time to enjoy it because you're dying. So why why bother? So all of this is crashing down around her. She doesn't get a moment to to breathe and, and revel in 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 her freedom before dying and so to to feel her hand as a friend and and to just truly love them it it, to me i was is probably my favorite scene in the entire episode it was such a fantastic arc for the two characters within the mid-season finale that it just quickly created this hostility at first between the two of them and then just the way it wrapped it up it's just like oh this is why i love these two characters because you have one who is an unstoppable force and immovable object kind of thing you know Mm. that's how i feel about it it really felt like uh, a reminiscent of (laughs) that first episode of crawling through the wreckage um when Jane and Cliff had that first meeting at the manor and she was painting and they had that very heartfelt moment. And, um, it's just that connection. Um, these two have 
an incredible connection that has blossomed throughout four seasons of the show and it's I, to, it's not like it seems like it's coming to an end in any way shape or form from what I can feel like so like the whole scared of death thing that Jane is is happening it's like to me as a fan I'm like there's no way you're gonna die because you still got so much more to do you know um but hey that you never know um but their connection that they had felt really reminiscent of that first episode um but just like so much stronger um and it was Cliff being this uh this rock you know that someone needs yeah. in a moment of weakness and it, unstable as he is it's like you are still a good person and i see that you are still trying to be a good person and that's excellent like i don't know it was just it's just really great he, two characters i love them to death they're great <laughs> yeah absolutely everything you said completely agree i think it you know regardless of of life or death in the following episodes like it just is a strengthening of the relationship between the two characters um cliff Steele proving ultimately that he is a good person that he wants to be a good person that's a great way to put it and um that that it's that he can be not the father figure, but no, and that's why I like stayed away from saying that because it's it's not the same, and like yeah, it's not. I the understand same. it, and I don't know how to explain it, because but I, it's not. Yeah, and I know, and I think it's a great conversation to have because sometimes when you say father figure, it 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 it, it implies it implies, a, it implies a sense of possession. Yeah, and that's not. And sometimes that's not what daughters want. They want, and you a, can't even say mentor because that's not the word either. It's just they want to support, like a friend that'll support them. But also, it's like I wish, like some people wish their own fathers could be a supportful friend, and they never get that from their fathers. And it's just that component that Cliff has mm-hmm. that he recognizes that that's what's needed not the father aspect but the supporting role and that's just what he is like true support in that mentality in in, in that way emotionally so yeah it's it's correct because he's not a father figure (laughs) yes exactly and i don't want people like screaming it's like yes but that's not what you're supposed to do you're not supposed to be supportive you're supposed to be it's like yeah in a father situation absolutely this isn't that this is best friends yeah (laughs) You know, yeah, best friends absolutely. born from misery. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, moving forward into some of our other characters, because we have a lot of, I think, some of our our golden couplings that we had in this season. So, um, the next one that, that that comes up is Rita and Rouge going to the bureau. Uh, I really like this one. I, I love how this this. Adventure starts within this episode because it shows Madame Rue. She's walking up to Rita. Rita's sleeping on on the, on the bench for at the bus stop, and there's a pigeon on Rita. And uh, Rouge is like trying to shoo off this pigeon, and she says that these are nasty creatures. Uh, and what I liked about that so much is because uh, since Ezra Clayton Daniels, I th- I believe he wrote Bird Patrol, and that Madame Rouge 
as you know, shapeshifts into a bird. The flagellations were birds. Um, Malcolm had a bird in, inside of him. Like, to have this insult about birds as nasty creatures, it's like a tongue-in-cheek, like, oh, get it, because he wrote Bird Patrol and there were so many bird references in season three. Was, I just thought that was pretty neat. Um, but Rita and, and Rouge, they decide that they're going to go back to the Bureau of Normalcy. And this whole episode, it feels like a sequel to Bird Patrol. And I, 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 I think I've said this, maybe this will be like the third time I'm saying it about an episode this season. And again, I don't know if that's intentional because again, when we're talking about like the way that they've outlined the series, not just the seasons and the way that they line up so well, it's also miraculous how they're able to be like, Oh, you wrote sex patrol. You get to do a sequel. And Sex Patrol was a sequel to Danny Patrol, and now uh, Casey Patrol is a se- is like the third sequel or second sequel. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's sequential to the episodes that they write. So when Tom Farrell's writing an episode for Doom Patrol, it feels like he's continuing off the last episode he wrote, and then Ezra Clayton Daniels writing this episode, it feels like he's writing a sequel to the last episode he wrote. And it continues on from there. You know, it's stuff like that that just... It's amazing how they're able to build off of the last episode they wrote. And then it also fits in like a puzzle piece into the overall series. It's it's really well done job from them. Um, But yes, they, they go to the Bureau of Normalcy. And I, it was really nice to see Bendy... <laughs> AKA Rita Farr. Good reference. And, and I like that like we're kind of getting back between these two of the past history that they had and them both being world famous time travelers, you know? Like <laughs> it's just a really cool team up with these two. Um especially since like the whole idea we even thought like that they're very inverse characters of each other and that they're like so close together and have a really good kinship in this show where you and I, I think like last year we talked about the differences between Rouge and Rita and like how they are opposites, you know, in, yes. in many ways. Um, so I don't know. It's really perfect team up spy game shit that's happening with this. Yeah. Absolutely. Trench coats I, and everything. Oh yeah. I, I, I was thinking that we, again, we're going to talk about the wardrobes here, but the, the wardrobe, the, the, what Rita Farr is wearing is fantastic. Oh, killer, I love right? the trench coat. Yeah, killer. I love the, the the outfit design for Rita in this one. Um, I even love like just like the aged makeup that they do on her. It's a fantastic design for her. Sleuthy Rita Farr, like <laughs> old Dick so, Tracy Rita Farr here. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Uh, and you know, they, so they're snooping around. The Bureau of Normalcy, they're in, in Section 99. They're looking for all these failed or, or denied projects of, of Niles Calder. Mostly and they, Niles Calder. Most most of them, about 99% are Niles Calder <laughs> in, in Section 99. Um, Dude's burning this, the candle at both ends, huh? Working overtime. <laughs> this is where it's revealed that Wallace Sage was assigned to, I guess, organize this section or, or maintain it or, or what. Uh, and so 
they they take a trip down to Wallace Sage's holding cell, and here it is revealed like this Arkham Asylum ass cell that they have for him, and he's drawing all these. I think they're gorgeous. These drawings of of human deaths, uh, and it seems like he's he draws people in their final moments as they die, and. I feel like I've seen this style of artwork before, but it is gorgeous. The, the just a horrific graphic contouring <laughs> of people's face as they as they shriek in horror. Uh, it is like such a well designed room for a set, like cinematically for the for the filming of this episode and TV production. Um, the design of this room is fantastic just a way that they all these artworks are first created and then posted all over the place um the the hair and makeup for wallace sage when when he is uh, when he shows up at the cell uh and uh it's it's fantastic and um there's a there is a bit of a reveal here in 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 the scene um i'll go ahead and jump right to it but um, the death of Malcolm does get to Rita and it causes Rita to to accidentally murder, quote unquote, Wallace Sage here, quote unquote, uh, because maybe it was planned. Maybe that was the whole idea. Maybe that was the point of it all. Yes. Because so, how else would he get to where he needed to be? Yeah. So that was going to be my my pitch to you, Nathan. OK. Um, it's. Is this Wallace Sage in this cell? Is what I was alluding yes. to. Yeah, that is Wallace Sage. Wallace Sage died, and Wallace Sage is a bad idea. And where do bad ideas go to die? Work with. That's the whole... I thank you. Ah. Tip of the hat. So, like, him dying and him showing up, you know, cloak and all hood and everything was just like yeah that was meant to happen interesting yeah because at first i was like is this a decoy like is this a you know is this is he's a drawing of himself as he as he's elsewhere and this person is filling that's in that's a fun and- thought that's a really fun thought um I- no i don't think so because like he he is shown aged and gross you know like he was kept in a self and just drawing for his entire life yeah. And then when he shows up in Orc With, or, <laughs> Orc With, I'm sorry, the dog is just go. The, and the, the dog has Stop. input as well for, for anyone listening. We're, <laughs> we're trying to talk through a dog that's barking. You know how it goes. Um, but, you know, Wesley's here to join the show. So, uh, no, I, I completely agree with you, Nate. I, it, when he shows up there, he's all, like, clean cut in his prime, just like how you would imagine you would draw your prime self in that kind of situation you know um yeah was he planning on dying in that exact moment by rita far i don't think so but i assumed it had to have been part of the plan um i think he had to get there somehow and i don't think he was i don't know because he could i guess just open up a portal right um from the scissor men or something. I don't know. No, I, I think he was supposed to die. I think he was supposed to die and be put on the drawings and 
him being smushed was his... in like page master style ink on paint on oh Rita. page like, master <laughs> i like that one i do like that it was great yeah. right yeah i i loved the way wallace died in this scene like there's something so like baroque i mean yeah baroque yeah (laughs) like the expression of him dying yeah like like if i can just get that i'm gonna have to pull up the episode again but the shot of him shrieking this horrified face with the makeup and everything it was like oh that that looks like a scary album cover or something you know like it's just real art house shit i mean it's like that's draw your death and it's like okay Draw your death yeah. by getting squashed that's, by yeah. the blob, um, you know? And it's just like, and that's another like thought that you can just have fun with because, I don't know, that seems like really metaphysical in my opinion, um, especially from like Wallace Age and like having all of these pieces in play. Um, it That's why I feel like he meant to get squished or at least meant to die in that kind of way within his drawings so that he could live on in the pocket dimension. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It it really does feel like a Grant Morrison motif in the sense that Grant Morrison will a lot of times pull from works of surrealism that has inspired him to, to write Doom Patrol and include those in it. And so when we've always talked about you know, the painting of Maya Dern's death or something like that. And um, the Ficione, Ficione's uh, poems that would like, you know, be the influence of, of Orquith, stuff like that. When you see this image of Wally Sage and, and the way that he dies and all the other images on the wall of people and their gruesome deaths um, and the contouring of, of the fear in their faces, um, to me, that's like, oh, that's that's the art. That's that's what I that's what got me to fall in love with Doom Patrol. And then later on, you can kind of appreciate some of the the, the other things. Like, I, I've always loved Grant Morrison's style of including those works of art. Um, and I feel like every person who writes Doom Patrol, they have their own. Um, quirky ways of, of of doing that. Yeah, I feel like when we talk about Doom Patrol, and let's say we talk about Shipley, and they put jellyfish on their head to stop themselves from having amnesia, it's like, okay, that's a very Gerard Way thing. Like that doesn't that doesn't speak Grant Morrison to me. That seems like a Gerard Way thing with it. kind of like Umbrella Academy. Like, oh yeah, just put jellyfish on your head, and you won't have amnesia when you go through a time machine. Um, and then I, I've always loved how Rachel Pollock is like the punk of Doom Patrol, where Rachel will be like, I'm going to write the most piece of shit human as a villain, and then my humor will be th- that we're going to beat the shit out of this person. And it's like, yeah, that that's what Doom Patrol is all about. Like, let me feel empowered in in the way that we can, um, you know, topple the, the tyrannical figures in the most humiliating way possible. So things like Beard Hunter and stuff like that, even though those written by Grant Morrison. It, it's stuff like that that I um, appreciate a lot of. Really enjoy um, getting back into, like, the whole artsy style of this. Yeah. Even with, yeah. like, the, the the style of work with and everything, with all the bone and just creepiness of it all. Um, 
does shout just very early Grant Morrison Doom Patrol to me, but the fact that it's like kind of bringing it back because we did see similar things in the previous seasons and in season one. Um, Now that we have like a little bit more understanding of the way Doom Patrol is supposed to work and interact within these spaces, it feels a lot more right. You know, I'm not as taken back by just random scissormen opening up portals just randomly. You know what I mean? It's like, normally, I think a lot of people would just be like, well, that's kind of weird. Where's the explanation for that? It's like, well, you just, stop. You're not, that's not the question you're supposed to be asking. You don't do that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It'll probably get answered, but just go with, why is it, there's a portal opening up? You're, they're thinking the same exact thing you're thinking, man. You know? Like, um, so it's just a really cool home base feeling, I think, that we're getting from, at least from us and where our idea of Doom Patrol comes from, um, all of this stuff just seems pleasantly welcome. Yeah, absolutely. I I would really love to see Flex Mentalo make his way back into the second half of this season. Um, I know Casey Brink and Dorothy are, are on the on the serving tray for the second half. But I, you know, being a product of Wallace Age, will Flex show up in the second half of the season? Um, we toyed with the idea of, you know, there is technically a second Doom Patrol if you include Casey and Dorothy and Flex and Danny and Morally Corrupt. Like, you have this second team that is very powerful and, and, and a lot of fun, and, and we've grown to, to love them. Uh, it would be it would be interesting to see if Flex also makes her return uh, in the second season. But um, to to I also want to bring up so you you brought up the Scissormen, um, and you know it can be wacky to someone who's who's looking from the outside in, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not to Derek, right? Like it almost seems like in this episode that Vic is very familiar with the strangeness and yet Derek is proving to be more understanding of it. Yeah. He's he's, he's catching up to, to what's going on. I think he's, he's smart. You got to Let's very smart. This is a robotics guy, right? Yeah. (laughs) So like, I'm pretty sure you just kind of like, especially if like your best friend cyborg and he's like telling you like, dude, just like, you got to go with it kind of thing. It's like, yeah, Okay, let me get let me get grab a knife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The best knife that they have. <laughs> um I do have a couple things with the whole uh Victor and Derek scene. When they first have their on-screen time, um they're driving back from Detroit cuz when Vic ended up being a baby, uh he got to Derek's house. I don't know how, I don't know why, but I guess maybe that time it took to get from Detroit to Cloverton. It enough time to turn you into a baby or something you know what i mean uh but anyway we're driving back in the car and it's another great like thing that's happening on the radio and it's i don't know what the song is but it's like a great country yodeling kind of song and that is like classic just like close-up shot of driving music in the background to me it's it's a little like you can hear it it catches your attention. It makes you know that, okay, other things are, are happening, you know, in that world. They're 
driving and the radio's going and there's a conversation so like it's lively it's not just dead silence in the car kind of awkward situations um but it just felt like such a classic feel of just driving through a a wooded area you know on a two-lane highway kind of deal um just like that country twang in the back um i loved it um couple things that they mentioned though with all of this crazy magic that's happening um and Derek like coming to accept the fact that Vic was just a child and and turned into a baby and he had to change his diaper and all these things like him accepting all of this coming from the robotics background and then like having to change be like okay yeah now it's magic okay I get it um it was really cool and I think the best way that they did it and uh it was i think a really smart way um Derek had to relate everything to Dungeons and Dragons and uh I was I was like oh my god this is really cool cuz what did he say he said that's some uh ninth level transmutation shit that that literally is Dungeons and Dragons did you know this yeah. like like the ninth level when you reach level 9 as a as a druid as a wizard you can use transmutation powers and like shape change powers like you can't do that until you get to that point and when you are that point it's like og shit like you can break campaigns because you can turn anything into fucking anything so like saying like level nine transmutation like level nine fucking spellcaster shit it's like yeah that's like gandalf level wizard shit so (laughs) it was really cool that like he it may have seemed like that's just like oh that's kind of nerdy jargon bullshit level nine. Oh, you gotta be a level nine wizard it's like no that comes from like that's a true spell that you can do in a real existing game that has stake to it and like if you are a level nine wizard and you are capstan you know fucking polymorph and shape change shit you're like you gotta get that guy out of the campaign that guy's great you can turn a, yeah. a dragon into a chicken and be like yeah bro broken they got the they got the full metal alchemist in here it really is. That's what like, Cyborg could be. Victor Stone could have been the full metal alchemist of D and D campaigns. <laughs> Great. That's that's the connecting connecting line right there. But something I like about sci fi television, and it was explained in a so get this, I'm gonna blow your mind here. Um Star Trek The Next Generation, as it was ending its final season, I think there was an episode in the final season that was just a preview of deep space nine and voyager i don't know if you remember this but it was jonathan frakes discussing kind of like a preview of deep space nine and voyager and how it was gonna uh you know next generation was gonna pass the baton to these two shows and they uh, roddenberry they were they were talking about how they write star trek episodes and like they would write the scripts out and then they just put in blanks of like sci-fi jargon or science jargon goes here, you know, to explain something. And I feel like they do that with, with Doom Patrol where it's like the D&D jargon gets put here. And then someone who actually knows what the fuck they're talking about goes in and puts, yeah, they would be, you know, the yes. ninth level. I, I would hope that's how that's that's because like when I first heard it and he said it with such like just blatant jargon it really did just sound like blatant jargon it's like that's nine that's level nine 
transmutation shit. It's like, come on, man, it's page okay, sixty-seven. Okay, yeah, I get it. But like, it's like, oh wait, hang on, no, this guy's right. Like, he just came off of a campaign like over the weekend. Like, he he probably yeah. has a level nine wizard and is probably wrecking shit. You know, um, they do mention Dungeons and Dragons later on in the episode when they realize that you can, you know, draw things into existence in Orkwith, but yeah, uh, that's and that's another thing that like could that kind of rolls back to the whole level nine wizard idea of being able to use spells like transmutation and polymorph and these things where you can just create things into existence from yeah. another thing. Like it's like, that's fucking broken. So and who knows? maybe, maybe we need to ask Ezra Clayton Daniels that to be, uh, you know, whatever social media the person uses would have to shout out and be like, so like maybe they are maybe they do know Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, uh, maybe Ezra knows exactly what the fuck he's he's talking maybe. about. Yeah, so it's really cool. I I loved the idea that they were able to draw on paper and start doing uh, chalk zone basically drawing oh, things. Fuck yeah, <laughs> you know, drawing what they want and then it coming to life. And um, I, I at first. I, I thought yes they're gonna they could build the robot that they built in robotics class and the robot would be in it like it was in this episode but I was also thinking when they were talking about shoulder mount mounted cannons and stuff I was thinking what if they just draw cyborgs parts again that's what I thought he was doing I thought he was drawing parts and they were going to come off as like piece by piece and and Vic was going to put on armor yeah um, but like that's gonna put I think, it back on well. He still has it, so I think that is like the definition of hat on a hat, right? <laughs> or maybe get... Derek wants to be cyborg. Maybe it would have been a surprise, and Derek would have cyborged himself. And it would well, yeah. Then, it, yeah. But then it's like you know what to do as cyborg already. Why not just give him this? Stuff? Give it to him. Give him. Give back it to the, him. Yeah. So tech. I really thought that they were like drawing it, and it was going to materialize as like armor on Victor. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it. I think the idea of it being their creation and them drawing the creation to life, one is way much is better. Duh, that's the whole idea. <laughs> it's not. It's not just. It's not chalk zone. So it isn't just draw <laughs> pieces and put them on and they work. You know, uh, it is like you have to have the idea. You draw it, and then that idea has sentience. You know. Yeah. Rest in peace, chalk zone. Um, yeah. Yeah, so who knows? Hey, maybe maybe what we were thinking was going to happen, maybe that that comes later. Maybe they're like, hey, why don't we just draw the cyborg parts on you for a bit? Um, so maybe. Who knows? That, that could be on know. the table later. Maybe if it they, does, maybe that's the hat on a hat. <laughs> yeah, maybe they were thinking, oh, giant robot first. Oh, that doesn't work. Do it again, but this time you control the cyborg tech again. And Oh, look, cyborg's back. It, you know... But yeah, we'll we'll have to see. Um, orc with cyborg, orc with cyborg, comes with build big bent build a figure if you buy all all the Doom Patrol characters. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the Scissor Men and Orc with? What do you what are your thoughts on it? Uh, they're great. I think they serve their purpose exactly what they they do. They're just hench you know just uh, hench and just they just it. exist they just there they pop in they pop out they just are there um, yeah i didn't have no, no qualms um i really enjoyed 
the idea of Mr. 104 turning their scissors into rust and everything. Um, that was really cool. Um, but yeah, them showing up to capture, uh, Vic and Derek and it's just the, oh shit. Like, oh yay. I'm glad that now Derek is fully like catching on to like the, the fuckery that is Vic's life, you know? Yeah. It's just Vic is like, Vic didn't have to say, oh shit, because you know, I didn't see it coming from a while away, a mile away, but at least like, what do I expect? You know, I'm kind of used to this. So it's like, oh shit. (laughs) What else is new? Exactly. Having that such confidence be like, this robot's gonna fucking work. This is gonna be great. And then, nope, that doesn't work here, I guess, you know? Mm -hmm. The, the relationship between Larry and Rama or Mr. 104 is really ramping up. It's ramping up pretty, pretty quick, at least for, for a season. Um, because it looks like it, it might it might come to fruition by the end of it, you know? A lot of relationships in, in, in Doom Patrol have taken at least a couple seasons to, to, to be where it needs to be, and um, Larry and Rama have a lot, of, a lot of things in common. Larry just got over, you know, everything with Keeg and... Um, you know, so Valentina Vostok showing him what, what true, uh, compatibility looks like. Uh, there's a lot that Larry has gone through and to, to meet Rama, it's really become a mirror for him. Um, the scary part is, is, is it a dark mirror? And, and what I mean by that is, is that Mr. 104 sees this as a hopeful thing with the Immortals Project. What he originally thought was going to be a beneficial thing. Turns out, Keeg believes that as well. And that's the scary part, is that Larry has always been like, there's good guys, there's bad guys, I'm here to stop the next apocalypse from happening. And then turns out that two people that he's very close with are for the Immortals Project. Um, or what I mean by the Immortus Project is not Doom Patrol, but I'm talking about what Wallace Sage is up to. Um, I'm led to believe that he does have Larry's best interest in mind. Maybe, and maybe that means that Larry doesn't need his longevity. And maybe Immortus has to be stopped you know completely so it's one of those things you have to he has to rise you're the doom patrol you got to beat him and then that's it maybe for larry and keeg uh you have to build the big fig in order to defeat him. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just maybe maybe Keeg can sustain larry the same as immortal uh whatever <laughs> immortal engines uh the immortality <laughs> that he has in him maybe larry maybe they can, can just... stop the the mortal engines box <laughs> office <laughs> maybe key can can do that um yeah but the whole seeing the future thing and the zombie butts are inevitable th- i kind of always had that thought in the back of my head uh in the beginning of this season when they did the whole zombie butt things and everybody was on their high horse of, yeah, we killed him and we stopped him. One, we knew that it was kept in the freezer. And so like the two albino zombie butts are still alive, you know? So like the butt apocalypse 
isn't Ted done because Nicholas. yeah, I had to go back two... to my notes and figure out what were their names again. Teddy those two butts are still alive, so like the future is still going to happen, um, which makes even more sense because if you think about it, now let's switch characters here. Future Victor had built on tech; he never got tech back, so that kind of goes back to the let's just draw the tech and put it on you kind of deal. Um, that's hat on a hat right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we already crossed that bridge. Anyway, that's just something that's like really thought provoking to me. Um, mm-hmm. cause that future is still playing out. How do you stop it? I don't know. Is Larry flying into the sun going to stop it? I don't really know either. He kind of just did like, uh, fucking captain adam kind of shit and was like ah radiation suit like and let me fly into the sun like it was like the most comic book thing i i've seen yeah in the sense it's like oh that's how really op superheroes always kill themselves Uh, i'll go fly into the sun now yeah like that seems to be it's like you want to draw a cool superhero death uh they're so powerful that they have to go dive into the sun to kill themselves yeah and it's like it was a really epic scene to see that because his yeah the zombie butts like expose his radiation and it would destroy the planet almost like he's a nuclear bomb man we'll just call him negative man that sounds cooler um and so that he he flies him into the sun you know it's stuff like that it's like oh that was really cool that's like what you expect from Watchmen or something, you know, or all-star Superman. Just like, I'll go to the sun. Radioactive man dies in the sun. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah, you just kind of go back to the source kind of thing. I don't know. It's just that whole idea. I Um, loved it. I loved the way that they thought that out. I don't know what the hell is going to happen. I I can't even... I don't even have an inkling of an idea of what's going to happen. I think that's the question. Like, are we still on track for the dark timeline? Like, yes. And it would be like, yeah, we are. Um, is that where we need to go? Question mark. And that would be what Keeg is, is proposing. Let Amortis rise. We need this to happen for you to get better. But, yeah, but like how what's the that's how would they get better that's i'm in their position i don't see how that betters the situation that's why i kind of like i'm i'm siding with larry it's like hey he put his trust into keeg and he let them take the longevity i assume that he's got his best interest and larry's interest is the doom patrol and and kindness and love so like it's not like he's just gonna give up on all that and just be like well you're dying now you know <laughs> yeah i i i believe symbiote it. cycle they're a symbiote cycle like one does not exist without the other or so we're it's led the to believe, scariest right? thing it's the scariest thing to trust i mean we as the viewers must trust key and yet it's a scary thing being into uns- uncertain territory unknown territory and be like I, we don't know. We don't know what the answers will be for, for the second half of the season. We don't know how this will resolve itself. And yet we must continue to believe that Keeg is an ally for Larry Trainer. Like that is 
the excellent writing in, in outlining a story where you go, character you love tells another character you love, trust them as they go headfirst into danger. That, just that outline of an idea mm-hmm. is what is what creates this is this moment. So Keeg is like, yes, let Immortus rise. And we're here to believe like, oh, okay, this is the right thing to do. It sure doesn't seem like it because it seems like that's exactly what happened in the dark timeline. So are we just headed in that direction or not? So it's a really, it's a really unknown territory. I, I can't really comment on it because I'm, I'm just so taken aback. Like how, how is it that we're going to see Immortus rise and then the Doom Patrol is going to be able to stop it with what? They don't have anything to keep them living. You know, what What? What else does Cliff have? Unless unless we do need to, to get this second Doom Patrol team. <laughs> and just going right back to we just need Dorothy and Casey to, to come save the day because the, the Doom Patrol that we know and love uh, love to fuck up all the fucking time. It's like, it's, it's, this is what they do. They just get shit started <laughs> all the time we're in for a ride that's for sure um yeah i thought it was an excellent ending excellent really the did. frozen butt hand on just the, yeah the... and again an excellent needle drop what dynamite was playing like that was it's just really really good. really good jane and cliff dialogue of just like an oh shit cliffhanger you know walking up the stairs to certain death and Cliff going crazy and having that that thought in the back of your mind, but you know your your diseased brain is bringing it up in a manifestation of your grandson nephew grand grandson nephew grandson mitten oven mitt yeah Rory mitten glovey yeah. thing man I couldn't explain that shit either so it was a really good vocal performance from Brendan Fraser as well like that yeah really it didn't seem like it was phoning in a line read you know it felt like that had weight to it um (laughs) fucking fucking a has some great acting and it's just your voice my guy like yeah i think about that a lot i i i really every time i watch this show i think about matthew zuck and and matt bomber and riley shanahan and brandon fraser and the way that they um do this ventriloquist act, right? Where yeah. one person is, is performing and the other one's narr- uh, voiceover. It, it's so well done. I love the way that they do it. I love the way the negative man... Um, Especially with Zuck, because like he's not a robot. He is a person, and, and Matt Palmer has so much like energy. And, like and you feel it. You feel the he voice. Really you don't just hear it. He really is a physical actor when you, when you hear it. It's like, I can... With his inflections and his body movement, you can hear the change in air flow, especially with the covered up mouth. Like, you can hear it, and and Zuck does an amazing job at embodying that, really. Every single detail. Um, and again, it's even more incredible because your whole entire face is covered up. You're giving me expression and body uh, language that's fucking off the chain. And you have no way of actually showing it other than through bandages. A completely mm-hmm. wrapped up mummy body, you know? It's <laughs> acting, like really. Yeah. Yeah, I I love it. I love seeing 
the performances and, and the way that they can enunciate with body language and it comes through in the voice and it, and it, it marries together with the, the physical movement. And, and every time I watch all four of them perform, it's like just the most magnificent puppet show done uh, in the show. It's fantastic. I absolutely love it. Um, I'm excited to see. I don't know when we'll be back to talk about the second half. I tried looking for a release date. I didn't see anything. Um, I don't know what to, the to recommend. Future. <laughs> yeah. The future. I, uh, I, I, I don't know if we'll see any other Vertigo-esque shows in the meantime. Um, I, there's, I don't know if there's any DC shows that are, that are going to be happening in the meantime. Dead Boy Detectives, I know, is is on its way. I don't know when that's going to happen or drop. Um, I don't know if we've seen a trailer. I can't really recall if there's been a trailer for, for Dead Boy Detectives Season 1. Um, if anyone hasn't seen The Sandman, please take the time to watch that show because that show really is good. goddamn masterpiece. I love that one. Uh, yeah, I... I can we just get like a Vertigo verse and just all the <laughs> Vertigo comics men- meld together and we have Dead Boy Detectives and Sandman and Doom Patrol and bring back a John Anyone Constantine play. TV show and what's the other one? Uh, Swamp Thing. Wild Wild Storm. Was that Vertigo? I think that was Vertigo. I don't no, know. It was a lot Swamp of Thing. How come no one talks about that anymore? Was that I... like really? It was that. What's Shit that? has so much potential. You have no idea. This isn't the Swamp Thing show, but fucking completely untapped. You people that are in charge of that shit are dumb, and you need to just like take a take a step back and look at a at a at a completed board for Swamp Thing and see where it's going and be like, oh no, yeah, you're right. That shit's fucking rad, you know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I I think Swamp Thing fell into that category of. Uh... There wasn't enough to entice people to stick around for the evolution of, of the series. It was just like, I don't get it. It's Swamp Thing in a swamp. And it's like... No, it's not. <laughs> it's like, oh. There's, oh. There's more in the primordial soup than that. Yeah. You know? There's there's so much more going on. It's like and a the, whole metaphor and it's like a thing. You kind of got to... You got to be a little depressed and you got you to gotta know that... <laughs> Yeah, and the dark arts are in play. Madame Xanadu's here, stuff like that. But yeah, it, it was it needed time to get there, and it, it, no one wanted to give it the the moment it needed. And um, fantastic performance by uh, Swamp Thing and and all that stuff. So, but yeah, this ain't the Swamp Thing show. Um, we're going to take a bit of a hiatus hiatus until. Uh, the second half of the show resumes. So uh, if you guys enjoyed everything, uh, please follow us on Twitter at Radio Doom Patrol. Tell us what you loved about the episode. Tell us what you loved about the podcast and you can join the discussion. We are on the Dueling Genre Discord. Um, There's also a website, DuelingGenre.com. You can go there. I think you can comment on the episodes, but if not, you can join us on Twitter and tell us what you thought. Um, the best way to support us is obviously leaving a positive review uh, wherever you listen to this podcast. It really helps promote the show, helps other people find the show and listen to it as well. 
Um, we do have a, a Patreon. I think it's like $3. It's the bare minimum. Um, and it helps support the show and not just this show, but all of du- Dueling Genre and the networks that um, the network of shows that we create. So please take the time to support us in any way that um, is accessible to you. Um, and without further ado, we will catch you guys next time. DJ, please take it away. place whole is thee. Of the only souls, get this. Out, hope, curse. Is doom their patrol? He you insane? Is your look for traps.